It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Madison Allworth. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Liz Clayman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, February 9th, 2024. I'm Lisa Brady. President Biden will not face criminal charges over his handling of classified documents, which the former president calls a two-tiered system of justice. One guy gets a pass because we're told he doesn't have a great memory, and the other one is facing decades in jail over similar allegations and charges. We speak with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. I'm Chris Foster. The Chiefs and the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 with Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes playing for his third ring in six seasons. I just don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes when you're getting points. But the San Francisco 49ers are the better team. We're talking about the big game with Fox's Will Kane. And I'm Joe Concha. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. A year-long probe of President Biden's handling of classified documents is over. And even though special counsel Robert Hur says there's evidence President Biden willfully kept and disclosed some classified material, he's not recommending any criminal charges. Bottom line is the special counsel, in my case, decided against moving forward with any charges. And this matter is now closed. The president first reacting at a previously scheduled event in Virginia, drawing a distinction between his case and cooperation and the separate documents probe of former President Trump by a different special counsel, which ultimately did lead to criminal charges. But President Biden later addressed the nation after his attorneys accused special counsel her of inflammatory and inappropriate language about the president's memory. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. The president went on to highlight favorable parts of the report, including evidence suggesting some material was not willfully retained. And he denies sharing sensitive information with a ghostwriter. I did not share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter? With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. He says that section referenced a memo to President Obama about Afghanistan that he did not read to the writer and that should have been described as private, not classified. The president also says staffers were in charge of moving documents from his offices. Despite his reassurances, the special counsel's explanation for not bringing charges could cast a long shadow, describing diminished faculties and faulty memory as one reason it would be difficult to convince a jury to convict the president. I think that's really difficult. Fox News Sunday anchor Shannon Bream is also the Fox News chief legal correspondent. It's one thing for we hear the president celebrating. I've been cleared. I cooperated with them. There are differences in the Trump document case, which I think you can easily argue. But at the same time, it makes references to him being unable to remember important things like the year his son passed away or the years he served as vice president and referring to him as an elderly man who was well-intentioned but didn't have great recall or memory. Really tough to then turn around and argue when, you know, polling shows us Democrats, Republicans, independents, everybody across the board has concerns about his mental capacity and his age to turn around and then argue and say, I'm completely sharp. I am completely capable of being commander in chief and running basically the free world when this report um, really uses language that is very critical of his mental faculties. 
Yeah, and the president's personal lawyer is accusing the special counsel of trashing the president, basically suggesting, you know, they didn't have to go there and uh, that they don't believe the report's treatment of his memory is accurate or mm-hmm. appropriate. And and it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because if they're saying we can't prosecute this case, jurors would look at this man and say the, the intent isn't there. Um, it, this was more about a faulty memory. Um, absent-mindedness, inability to retain facts and important information. So for that reason, we can't proceed against him criminally. If you if you want to take um, what is the ultimate end of the res- the resort of the, of the report in that you're not going to face criminal liability, um, that means you've got to embrace the rest of it, unfortunately, for the president, for the White House, which is critical of him, but saying that's the reason they won't prosecute him. So um, it is a win-loss for them, this report. Now, this report also was given to Congress. It wasn't just released publicly. It was also given to Congress. Could it raise more questions about his son Hunter's business dealings? Because the report says many documents relate to Afghanistan. Yeah. And gosh, that's that's been one of the stains, I mean, of this presidency is the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But dates back to his time as vice president and years ago, what he knew about this and these documents that were told were sensitive and classified in, in the the location that they describe being around an area with some, you know, a Zappos box and a broken down dog crate and potting soil and all kinds of things. It doesn't paint a picture of being sharp and on top of things that could contain potential, you know, national and foreign policy security issues. So, um, you know, we've already seen when you, you mentioned the Hunter Biden situation that many of the things the president has said, we never had a conversation. I never knew anything. I never met these people that there is now evidence that comes out after the fact that, yeah, actually you did some of those things. So, you know, can he point to, well, you know, I don't remember everything. I certainly don't remember every meeting I've ever had. Um, But that, again, cuts both ways for this president to say, I don't remember that particular instance versus I don't have a good memory and I shouldn't be running the country or the free world. Bottom line, though, sounds like maybe at this point, just a political issue for the current president, as opposed to the criminal Mm -hmm. issue that a documents probe, a separate documents probe turned into for the former president. Could this lead to more claims of a two tiered justice system? And does, does it give more credence to those claims? Well, absolutely. This is, as you know, the argument that has worked so well with President Trump's base is that all of these cases that have come up against him, they're not just prosecutions. He will argue there are persecutions. They are political in nature. Um, and you're going to see both sides try to, you know, of course, President Trump and his allies are going to say these cases are so similar and they were treated so differently by the DOJ and by the you know investigation. Um, whereas you saw President Biden coming out and very quickly saying these were completely different cases. I willingly cooperated. There was no um, bullying or trying to keep documents or trying to keep things from investigators. And, and truthfully, I think of most of the cases, the criminal cases that President Trump is facing, I think most court watchers think that the Mar-a-Lago documents case is the toughest one for him because you have a lot of other people involved, testimony, texts, photos, other things that show there were conversations between some folks involved that sound like they knew they were moving documents, that they weren't fully turning everything else over to the FBI as they were supposed to. So there are certainly some differences, but I think um, a lot of that will be lost on those who support President Trump. They're going to say, this is proof. These are two cases of people being 
accused of willfully mishandling documents. One guy gets a pass because we're told he doesn't have a great memory. And the other one is facing decades in jail over similar allegations and charges. Just a few hours before that special counsel report on the president, the U.S. Supreme Court heard more than two hours of arguments about former President Trump and the Colorado fight over removing him from the state's primary ballot. Why should a single state have the ability to make this determination, not only for their own citizens, but for the rest of the nation. Justice Elena Kagan, as both liberal and conservative members of the court, questioned the use of an insurrection clause in the Constitution and whether it was even intended to apply to the presidency. Chief Justice John Roberts also raising concern it could lead to a flood of similar actions in other states. It'll come down to just a handful of states that are going to decide the presidential election. That's a pretty daunting consequence. He also said insurrection is a broad term. Former President Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection or inciting one. Well, Colorado officials are doubling down on this because they say, listen, we had this five-day trial in Colorado, you know, proceeded all the way through the state Supreme Court there. So we did actually find that he engaged in insurrection. Now, it wasn't a criminal trial. There weren't charges brought like there could be, you know, federal charges. We know special counsel uh, Jack Smith did not bring those charges against President Trump. But Colorado is saying by the trial it held, it did establish that he violated the insurrection part of, you know, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Tons of skepticism I saw in the courtroom today, though, and not just from the quote unquote, you know, Republican appointed conservative side of the bench. There were really tough questions from Justices Kagan and Justice Jackson, who both seemed to say, gosh, do we let a single state decide this thing for the country? Because essentially what they were saying is if if we approve of what Colorado did, then we're telling states they can basically do what they want and kick people off the ballots. The chief picked that up a little bit later. Justice Robertson said, um, you know, if we do this, there's not to say that every state out there is going to just kick President Trump off their ballots where they're a blue state or have that, you know, progressive bent to them. But there could be other states that would say, hey, we're red states. We don't like the Democrat who's on the ballot. And he said, do we want to unleash that kind of free for all when you get down to just a handful of states that have left all the candidates on the ballot and let the voters decide? And he seemed to really think that that was not the court's role. And so you get the distinct impression that this could be an 8-1, maybe even 9-0 case. Justice Sotomayor seemed to have real support for what Colorado had done. Um, But I think the chief will try to very narrowly tailor something to have the most united voice possible when we get something from the court. Hmm. So part of it really boils down to how much power the states have versus Mm -hmm. the federal power, right? But there were also a lot of questions about the potential role of Congress and all of right. this. Yeah, it was super wonky. I mean, when people who were waiting for the case to get into, did he commit insurrection? That really only came up later in the case where Justice Kavanaugh said, who decides that? And what's the criteria and how do we decide that? But they didn't even really get into that conversation. It was who holds the power. Now, Justice Thomas said, when this, you know, when the 14th Amendment was passed back 1869, 1870, you should have some examples of where states use this section three of the 14th Amendment to kick people off federal candidates off of federal ballots. Where are your examples? And the attorney couldn't provide any because, you know, Justice Thomas is saying that's not what this was intended to do. So I basically felt like most of the justices were not buying that argument and are going to just say Colorado went too far. Well, well, primary season already underway. Seems like they're leaning Mm -hmm. towards sooner rather than later on that one. Right. 
um, to oh, come. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, I think so. Because you, you know how it normally takes years to get here. This wasn't weeks, this months. This was weeks. And so I think they take a vote within a day or two of hearing the case and then we'll work on an opinion. So I think it's a matter of days or weeks, not months to get a decision. This week started out with a lot of attention on border security and the bipartisan deal in the Senate that ultimately hit a wall. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the lead negotiators on the border bill, at least that section of a larger security package, um, Kirsten Sinema, now an independent senator, has called out both Republicans and Democrats over the failure of the border proposals. Which party is potentially making the bigger mistake by not doing something on the issue? This has become so political. I mean, we all know getting anything done on the border is nearly impossible. When Republicans control the White House, the House, the Senate, when Democrats have controlled the White House, the House, the Senate, no major things are getting done. So they're always going to point fingers at each other. But the White House was willing to come to the table on this with some substantive things because they know they're upside down on the polling. It's very bad. People get the optics. They see the um, video, the drone video. They see this stuff every day. It is it pulls really badly. And when you have cities having real problems managing the influx of migrants and you have blue state mayors and Democrats calling out the White House, I mean, it's just bad all the way around for the president. So he was willing to come to the table, but also knowing if this thing fell apart, Democrats can do as they are right on cue doing, say, um, you know, we tried. We went to the table with them and Republicans don't want to solve this problem because they want it to be an election year issue. So they're the reasons that you're not safe and that the border is overrun, even though somebody else has been in charge for three years. They're just going to blame each other. And sadly, I think, you know, even after the election this fall, whoever is elected or reelected president, um, there's just not going to be the groundswell of votes that you need to get a major piece of immigration legislation done. Attaching it to the foreign policy funding issue was probably the best opportunity that you had. But for a lot of Republicans and conservatives, it just wasn't enough. You've got a lot to talk about on Fox News Sunday. <laughs> Don't we ever? And who knows? <laughs> Still, you know, a couple of days to go. Um, and I'm not sure that we're, we're done quite with the Iran proxies yet. So we'll see what's going on with foreign policy, too. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you if you are rooting for anyone in particular, mm. speaking of Sunday, uh, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> You know what? I am vo- I, I'm rooting for the 49ers only because I feel like, gosh, the Chiefs have been so dominant. They've killed it. They've had so much success at the Super Bowl. 49ers did back in my day when I was a kiddo growing up watching um, the NFL. So I feel like, all right, let's give them a chance. Um, but, you know, please don't tie that to Taylor Swift, anyone. <laughs> I have, this had nothing to do with Taylor Swift. I'm just like, the Chiefs have had such great time in the, in the spotlight. And um, maybe the 49ers want a little piece of that. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday and the Live in the Bream podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Great to chat with you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. This is Joe Concha with your Fox News commentary coming up. The Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers are in Las Vegas for Super Bowl Sunday, a rematch of Super Bowl 54 four years ago. The Chiefs won that game. 49ers tight end George Kittle says people should be rooting for San Francisco Sunday. Oh, dude. 
we have more fun than anybody else out there, man. We got so many great players. Uh, we have the best offensive lineman in the, in the history of the game. Nick Bosa's quads are bigger than my torso. Um, we've got superheroes on the team. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey says there's been no Super Bowl pep talk from his girlfriend Taylor Swift. No, no, she hasn't. She's focused on uh, entertaining the uh, the crowd out in, I think it's, is it Singapore right now? Or I, th- I think that's in a few weeks. But I know she's out in Japan, Tokyo maybe. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes in six seasons as a starter in the NFL has never not made it to the conference championships and he says he knows that some people are sick of the Chiefs. I just like winning. If, if you win a lot and, and that causes you to be a villain, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to enjoy playing the game and try to win as much as possible. It's Kansas City's fourth Super Bowl in five years. I think we all have experienced some level of exhaustion or fatigue when it comes to the Chiefs. And that's not personal, really, towards the Kansas City Chiefs. It's in part because I think there's some level of fatigue when it comes to Taylor Swift and the fact that we all just get tired of winners. Will Kane hosts the Will Kane Show, available on demand and streaming live at noon Eastern Monday through Thursday on the Fox News YouTube channel, Facebook page, and at foxnews.com. After a while, we get tired of the person who's on top, the person of the team who's on top. We want to see him knocked down. So that's in part why I think so many people are rooting for the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship. So there's a little bit of fatigue when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then... I just don't like the San Francisco 49ers. I don't like them. I don't like the franchise. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I don't want them to win a Super Bowl. I don't want them to have bragging rights on the whole dynasty rankings. So, I mean, there's a little bit of blah, but it's the Super Bowl, and it's Patrick Mahomes, and it will be entertaining. It's the Super Bowl. So it's the Chiefs, what, fourth Super Bowl in five years. They're talked about as maybe the new Patriots. They're a little bit of ways from that. Now, for, for me, I get the fatigue for some reason, there's not villainy attached to them like there was the Patriots or the Yankees when they were good or your beloved Cowboys when they were good. You know what I mean? Like the Chiefs aren't necessarily hateable to me. And maybe it's because of their coach. Andy Reid is kind of a likable guy. And maybe it's because they're a Midwestern team. I don't see people hating them like they hate some of those other teams. This is the year where it kind of begins to turn for the Chiefs. You know, I mean, there's the whole Taylor Swift thing, and that's kind of divisive. Yeah. And then. Travis Kelsey, and he's people have divided on Travis Kelsey. And then I saw the video, for example, of Patrick Mahomes before the AFC Championship game tossing Ravens kicker Justin Tucker's warm-up materials, like his his sticks to hold the ball, his tee all over the field. And There's a little bit of like, oh, maybe Mahomes isn't always nice guy likable. But my only point is, you're right. They don't have that same kind of villainy. I think the most interesting one of the things you listed is Maybe it is because they're a Midwest team. There is something about that sort of like Midwest nice that you put on to the team from Kansas City. So I'm just telling you, I'm seeing the elements of the beginning of the seeds of villainy. So if they win this year, you combine exhaustion with Taylor Swift and a few other elements, and we could see maybe next year they begin to become the villains. Yeah. The betting lines have San Francisco a slight favorite. They have since the championship games have ended. Now, a majority of pundits and NFL reporters, etc., I've looked at dozens of predictions over the last couple of days, and really a pretty firm majority say that that is wrong, that the Chiefs are going to win. I almost value the betters over the experts. Now, I would put myself in the category of agreeing with the experts. I just don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes, and I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes when you're getting points. But the San Francisco 49ers are the better team. They're a more well-rounded team. They have a better defense, better defensive line, better linebackers, better secondary. They have better running game with Christian McCaffrey. 
they have better offensive weapons. I mean, outside of Travis Kelsey, and then maybe George Kittle's better than Travis Kelsey at this point at tight end. But they have better receivers than than the Chiefs. The only thing they don't have is Patrick Mahomes. But that's enough. And I know this can get complicated, and I know maybe the betters are right, and maybe they're they're really setting aside the emotional impact of having a guy who is in the debate of the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe they're doing a good job of setting that aside. But the experts, and count me among them, it's like, I don't think it's a smart bet to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Well, the 49ers quarterback, who we haven't even mentioned, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, uh, meaning uh, literally the last pick in his draft, a throwaway pick. They didn't need a quarterback at the time, and he's 24 years old. He's on the biggest stage in the world. Now, is he... He's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the world compared to me and you. But is he good or is he a successful cog in his machine? It's a good question. Every opinion of him has been, it starts with doubt. It starts with, well, I mean, come on. He plays for Kyle Shanahan. That's an incredible system. It made Jimmy Garoppolo look good, you know, and so on and so forth. But at some point, you know, we have to start valuing what we see happening in the present and not the opinion that was rooted in the past. And the, what's happening in the present isn't that he is just a cog in the machine. He's making plays with his legs. He's executing really well. And then you start thinking, well, it's kind of illogical to form an opinion based upon the fact that he's Mr. Irrelevant. So what? Tom Brady was a sixth-round quarterback. You know, Dak Prescott's a fourth-round quarterback. Tony Romo's undrafted. And I know that I just put two Cowboys <laughs> on the level of a guy that's going to the Super Bowl. But the point is, like, drafting isn't an expert science, you know? And we're seeing something pretty special from Brock Purdy. Back to Taylor Swift just for a second. I don't want to belabor it because everybody else has. But not that the NFL needs more publicity, not that this game needs more publicity, but there is something interesting to me that the most successful entertainer in the world right now is now tied, tangentially at least, to, this, to the biggest sporting event in the world. And the NFL, I'm sure, is not displeased with the fact that, look, uh, my kids... I have eight-year-old twin girls. They don't know about football. They don't care about football. Or they didn't until about two weeks ago when they went to a Taylor Swift-themed birthday party and they learned who Travis Kelsey was. And the next, and two days later, that game was on. Daddy, did they show her? Daddy, did they show him? How do you, what's, how do you score a point in, in, in football? And their, their entire second-grade class is, of course, predicting that the Chiefs are going to win because, of course, they are. I'm not saying these kids are going to necessarily grow up as football fans, but it is kind of sweet to me. Real NFL fans, and the NFL is an extremely successful business, obviously. Like 96 of the top 100 television shows of 2023. We don't want to see a cutaway to Taylor Swift four or five times a game. We don't need it. We don't need the game to be about a pop star. We want the game to be about the storylines within the game. And it's a little bit of a turnoff to see it pander to the casual audience that's not in on the game. At the same time, I'm not turning it off. And they're probably pulling in new people like your daughters. And it's going to be a net win for the NFL. I just think it's harmless. But be careful, NFL. When businesses try to be everything to everybody, they sometimes lose the identity of who they are to the ones that matter. And I just say, be careful, NFL. Yeah, and if you're in on these meetings at CBS Sports uh, prepping for this game, they have to be having conversations. We have to walk this line. You're gonna If she shows up at the game... There are going to be cutaways. They're going to have to address the Taylor Swift in the room of, all, of it all. But you're right. Um, there, there's a balance where you don't want to annoy the audience. And it, yeah. it's a, it, no, I, I, right. I imagine those, those conversations are a little bit difficult. 
at this point, it's part of the storyline. Like, even me, who's like a little... And I don't hate Taylor Swift. But even I know, this is a story now. So when we watch the game, I'm going to be expecting... Did Taylor make it from Japan? Where is she sitting? I'm going to expect to see the shot. And maybe I even enjoy being annoyed. Who knows, <laughs> right? But they need to... Um, they do need to walk that line. I think... I'm sure they are talking about how much. But, I mean, the, the answer isn't zero. And I don't know how much... What, how mu- I don't know what the answer is on how much is too much, Taylor Swift. Are you a Super Bowl party guy? Do you like to host? Do you like to go? Or do you like to... Or do you just want to watch the game? Uh, in, in normal circumstances, I am option C there. I just want to watch the game. I saw Mad Dog Russo, Chris, Chris Mad Dog Russo, say this. He's not a Super Bowl party guy. I don't want to be sitting around with 50 neighbors chit-chatting during the game. I'm a little like that. I don't love... Because I watch the game and, and want to talk about the game and a few side conversations. I find when you get everybody together, they want to have side conversations and watch the game a little bit. So it's like a you know, 70-30 proposition. 70% socialization, 30% game. I want it reversed and more. I want it 70-80% watch the game and 20% having a conversation about how's life. And I've been to a lot of Super Bowls, work and as a fan. I'm going this year work-wise, but I am taking my son. So I'm excited to do that, to watch the game with my son in Las Vegas. Finally, just talk for a second about the the crushing frustration of being a Dallas Cowboys fan in this century. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's funny that like, when you were younger, I guess I guess a teenager, um, they were really, really good all the time. And now mm-hmm. it's an ungodly long drought. Uh, Independence Day and the Macarena were the number one movie and song the last time they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's awful. Um, uh, you're terrible. Uh, so what? So it, it's just you're in a weird position as a as a fan to go from this high to this low. Yeah, but uh, I really am an emotional fan, and I don't care. There are people like grown men shouldn't care. I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. I enjoy the emotional investment of sports. So, like, when they lose, I'm going to ride that roller coaster all the way to the bottom of the track. (laughs) But sometime afterward, I will even out and start seeing things. And it's really, I mean, look, it's been 25 years, to your point, more. It's been, uh, yeah, almost 30 years. It was was 96, so 28 years ago. 95. Like the 95 season calendar year was 96. So in January of of 96 was the last time. And at this point, I think now that the Lions made the NFC Championship game, it's like the Cowboys and the Commanders are the only two teams that haven't made the NFC Championship game in that time frame. So that's awful. On the other hand, they've never really been. I mean, there's a few blip on the radar seasons. They've never really been bad. They've been, like, good. They've been 8-8 and or better, mostly, in those 30 years. And what's that meant is I, I root for a team that makes the playoffs, maybe, maybe gets one victory, and then is out. And it's this weird place to be in because, like, everybody that hates Cowboys says, every year you say next year's your year. Well, even if we did, that's not entirely illegitimate. You know, like, 12 and 5. Maybe we'll go to the, you know, the next round of the playoffs, would put us in, which would put us in a Super Bowl contention because we're always in that vein of, like, just good enough to get your hopes up and just bad enough to obviously let you down for 30 years. <laughs> Next year's your year, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. Will, enjoy, enjoy the game. Uh, the Will Cain Show streams live on Fox News' uh, YouTube channel and the Facebook page. You can also go to just uh, foxnews.com. Uh, it's live. Noon, kind of rare for a podcast, kind of cool. Uh, live at noon Eastern 
Monday through Thursday. Then, of course, you can get it on demand like every other podcast uh, five days a week at foxnewspodcast.com. Thanks, Will. Thanks, man. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. A Florida teacher is getting the trip of a lifetime. She's going to the Super Bowl. Mary Martinez teaches at Pinecrest Elementary School in Pinecrest, Florida, and has a unique style of educating her students, incorporating football and some math into her lessons. Because of that, she went viral on social media and in the process caught the attention of the NFL. That unique teaching style is being rewarded. A recorded video from Miami Dolphins legend Dan Marino was sent to Martinez telling her that she was being recognized for her work and she was going to Las Vegas to watch the Super Bowl in person. Her class knew about the surprise for several days but managed to keep it a secret. Dolphins cheerleaders were on hand to deliver the tickets. Martinez says it's her first trip to Vegas and she's taking her fiancé with her to the big game. Her advice to fellow educators? Find something you're passionate about and use it in your classroom. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Joe Concha. What's on your mind? Well... We hear from President Biden this week that he will not sit down with Nora O'Donnell of CBS News for the annual traditional Super Bowl interview, just like he avoided Fox last year in the same format. Mr. Biden says that he wants folks to just concentrate on the game and not think about politics. And this is by far the lamest, most intelligence insulting excuse you will ever hear as far as why the president is hiding from this interview for the second consecutive year. The Super Bowl, even the pregame show, is by far the most watched program of the year. 125 million people are expected to watch the game itself. So even if a quarter are tuning in during the pregame, that's still more viewers than he would get for a State of the Union address. And when you're a president who is polling lower than any in polling history three years into the job, one would think he would be out there trying to sell his message on why he and his administration deserves four more years. But no, Joe Biden, let's be very, very clear about this, is a coward, plain and simple. He should be telling his handlers he wants this interview, but instead is trying to win the presidency again by pleading the fifth and will probably be in Delaware hiding that day instead. Donald Trump has already offered to sit in his place instead. Let's see if CBS actually does the right thing and puts the odds on favorite to win the presidency again on its air on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm Joe Concha. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 
Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.